Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Hugh McFarlane, founder and CEO at AlignMe, about how marketers should go about communicating their brief and requirements when working with agencies or freelancers. This is a pretty important topic because a lot of marketers do get it wrong. And I'm super excited to talk to Hugh about this. Hugh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Shane. Hey, before we get going, I know we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff, Shane, but I want to give you props for one of your episodes in particular. I've listened to a lot of episodes with Growth Colony, but there's one in particular that I just got so much out of. The interview with Andy Christadina, I'm talking about Shaheen, he's the CMO of Orbit Media. If any of your listeners haven't already enjoyed that episode about research-driven content, couldn't recommend it more strongly. It was a killer interview. Well done, Shaheen. I really appreciate it, Hugh. I really appreciate it. I mean, really, all the heavy lifting is done by uh, by Andy. He's an absolute gun, but I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed that. It, it was a great episode. Let's dive in. I, I'm, I'm also really really excited to talk about this. I, I I feel like a lot of things that you do is you have kind of alignment in, in the DNA of what you do and, and the organization. I mean, the name of the organization is Align Me and, and the whole topic around making sure that the brief is right, making sure that you are communicating properly with an external entity or even internally about what you're trying to do. It's it's very crucial. So, so tell me a little bit about, I'm intrigued, where does the name of the company come from? Uh, you know, give, give us, give me a little bit of a picture. Thanks, Shaheen. So we do a lot of work around alignment. And one of the fallacies with alignment is that people tend to think about aligning sales to marketing or marketing to sales, where you're kind of marketing becomes the help desk for sales. Uh, that's not what we mean by alignment. It's aligning both sales and marketing, and for that matter, pre-sales delivery, aligning to the same thing. And the same thing's the buyer. It's all around getting alignment to the same thing. And so we do a lot of work. Uh, We do maybe 50 planning projects around the world uh, every year. And there might be, I don't know, a thousand new customers coming onto our DIY software every year. And they're all looking for roughly the same thing. They want to get on the same page. And getting on the same page doesn't mean being nice to each other. It doesn't mean understanding each other. It doesn't mean sales guy turns up to the crayons department for a week. Um, it, It means getting agreement to the strat- the objectives, the strategy, the tactics, and the processes that they're going to use. Uh, and so our take on alignment is around agreeing to a single process that sales and marketing and pre-sales understand their role in rather than getting to know each other well. Got it. I, I really want to come back and talk about the, the platform that you developed as well. But before doing that, why is that important? Like, why? what does that accomplish? What have you seen that sort of alignment accomplish when when it's done right? 209% better return on marketing investment is the headline number. comes from a few things. So if marketing and sales have agreed the market that they're plumbing and they've agreed the tactics that they're going to use 
to tap that market, then a few fairly obvious things will occur that won't occur if they haven't got that explicit agreement. And we're talking now about strategy, we'll get to tactics in a second. But clearly, if I'm marketing in your sales, and if I'm generating leads that are cooked to the level that you and I have negotiated, so how qualified do we want them to be? We've negotiated that. If I'm getting you leads that look like that, they're from that market, they're worried about the problem that you and I identified together, they're, they've indicated the right indicators that you and I have negotiated. If I get you those leads, you're probably going to act on those leads. If I get you leads of a different flavor, you're probably not going to act on those leads. And so we get this horrible spillage between marketing and sales because they just can't agree what it is that they want to achieve. And so it's probably not a surprise that the the uptick is the 209% return on marketing investment that I spoke of. The lead conversion rates go through the roof, partly because uh, I'll, I'll come to handover rates in a moment, but partly because if sales knows the kind of deals that close and sales also knows the kind of deals that don't end up closing, then if we're pretty aligned, sales is going to say to me, I probably don't want any of that second kind of lead. I want more of that first kind. So I'm going to work on the first kind. And so we're going to be more aligned if we have the same concept of what we're trying to achieve. Got it. Got it. That's very interesting. And so, so there's, there's a lot of that is is the communication between sales and marketing. Where does the communication with with external parties come in? Where does the communication with the agency and you know I'm a marketing manager and I'm sitting sitting down and I and I need to pre- prepare a brief for uh, for for a marketing agency? How do how do all of that connect together? Let me let me talk a little. Shaheen, about the buyer's journey. Uh, As you know, it's a a term that I coined in 2003 when I wrote The Leaky Funnel. And I wasn't inventing the buyer's journey. I I reckon that was invented several thousand years ago. But I I needed in the book to describe what takes about five paragraphs to describe. And I just needed a few words to describe those five paragraphs because the book was all about it. And, And in principle, it's around, you know, if we do this backwards, so customer gets some benefit from a product, well, to get a benefit, they have to have bought it. And to have bought it, they have to have preferred it over the other options. And before that, they need to know what the options are. And before that, they need to have some kind of clear need that they're looking for options for. And before the need, there's probably some kind of problem going on in their business that they need to have fixed, which gives rise to the need. And before the problem, I might be interested in exchanging views and talking with your salesperson and reading your marketing information, but I don't yet believe there's a problem to fix. I'm just interested. I'm curious. And before that, I know who you are. I'm not even interested. And before that, I don't even know who you are. So we kind of do that backwards. But if you think about that journey forwards, um, uh, I know who you are. I'm curious enough to explore a conversation with you through marketing or sales. Then I actually agree that there's a problem worth solving that maybe I should fix. Then I'm clear about what I need from somebody. Maybe you, maybe not. Then I'm clear about what you can do. Then I like it, then I buy it, then I get benefit from it. If that's the journey, then think about how crazy it would be to ask an agency or frankly, a staffer, Shaheen, for that matter. You know, the way we brief agencies should be the same way we brief staff. It's, I, I need this tactic, like let's maybe pick an ebook. I need this ebook to achieve which of those progressions? Like, are we trying to use this ebook to position ourselves? Are we trying to use this ebook to help the buyer work out what problem that they have that maybe they weren't really thinking about? Do they, they do we need this ebook to perhaps more help them work out what they need? Yeah, you know, the problem might be self-evident. 
but maybe we need to help them work out what they need and to shape that need so it's to our advantage. Do we need that ebook to talk about what our solution does? Do we need that ebook to talk about why it's better? They're all really different ebooks. And the moment the agency gets a brief that says, I want you to kind of cover all of that for me, everybody's going to lose because that's just not going to work. You know, a typical B2B buyer's journey might take 13 weeks, sometimes longer. And if the normal buyer's journey takes 13 weeks, you want a three-minute read to achieve all of those progressions? Seriously? So when we're briefing an agency or a staffer, then let's be really, really clear. When people read this thing, and we're talking about an ebook, we could pick any tactic you want, you know, a web page, uh, an email, uh, a, a tweet, anything you want to put into the mix. When people see this thing, this tactic, they already would have seen this other stuff and they're already thinking X, I need to get them to Y. And your job, you, you go build that thing for me. Your job is to get them from X to Y. And, and by the way, you've got a week. Right? So we've got a week for that progression. So sometime during that week, this buyer needs to read that thing and shift from idea X to idea Y. That's the job of the ebook. Now go build it. Got it. Got it. Hugh, that's really interesting to uh, to think about the buyer journey, buyer's journey and uh, and and kind of then then tackling the matter of of that communication. But how, how would one do that? How would a marketer market us sitting down? Um, you're saying that they need to think about okay, we're what stage the buyer is at, and that's the area that we want to focus on. What's the next step from there? Communicating that with clarity isn't as easy as I just made it out to be. So if you think about a typical agency that's used, and again, this is true of an agency or a staffer, uh, I think the process is broadly the same. And when we talk about alignment, if somebody's relying on an agency to do their work, as many do, then the agency is part of the alignment puzzle. So when we're looking for alignment, it's everybody who's going to play a key role in the process. So now to your question about the how. The staffer or the agency isn't necessarily going to have the same concept of the buyer's journey that the marketing leader does. And so they're going to have to communicate and spell it out. We, we're going to be doing these, if we take the ebook, right, let's say that the promotional method to get the ebook out there is a bunch of LinkedIn ads. So great, what are you going to have in the LinkedIn ads? Show me the LinkedIn, if I'm writing the ebook, show me the LinkedIn ads and to whom they are going. So I can get a really clear sense of what the person who's seen that ad already thinks. Now I can craft the landing page for the ebook. I've shifted from ebook to landing page, forgive me. Uh, now I can craft the landing page to respect the ad. Visually, it would make sense for them to be consistent language. So if we've said something in the promoted post on LinkedIn about want to double the return on investment from your marketing as I just advocated, from that comes from alignment. So if that was the, the question that was posed in the promoter post, when I get to the landing page, it had better start talking about return on investment from the marketing or, or I'm out of there. I'm on the wrong page. And that sounds like a really simple kind of Sesame Street example. It's key. Show me what's going to have occurred before this thing and then what's going to happen after this thing? Because if you want me to write, uh, again, I'll stick with the landing page now, not the ebook itself. If we're crafting a landing page where you, know, you and I are marketing, so we're going to build a landing page together and we've been asked to build this landing page. So we want to see the ad beforehand so that we can respect where they've come from and what they're already thinking. But we probably want to see the ebook 
so that we know what it is that we're actually advocating. So don't just tell me there's an ebook and it's about topic X. It's like, I need to get you ready to read that ebook. So my job in writing that landing page and designing that landing page and optimizing the landing page is to get them from somebody who's got in their head this very simple notion of better return on investment. And I need to get them to want to read an ebook because that wasn't what they came to the page for because that's not what the ad said. So that's the job of the landing page is to shift them from you want a better return on investment. Well, actually, the, the way to get a better return on investment is to align sales and marketing. And here's how we do it. Read more about it in the ebook. That's a transition I can now do in a landing page. But I better know the before and I better know the after. And then if the after is talking about, like, let's now go to the ebook. If the ebook is now going to talk about the biggest challenges in getting alignment, not just how to do alignment, because the person who wrote the ebook is trying to sell some consulting service, let's say. And so they're going to talk about how to, but they're really going to talk about, but the real problem is you don't have somebody to lead you through this process. That's what the ebook's really going to do. So we need the ebook now to get them worried about what problem. It's not just let's list out the pain points. It's no, no, concretely, what problem do you solve better than anybody else on the planet? Because if the ad and the landing page start to hint at a problem that many can solve, then the ebook's got to do too much hard work. Maybe those, those two tactics, the ad and the landing page, had better be starting to hit at a problem that only you can solve. So that by the time they read the ebook, they're getting their head around this problem that's not only worth solving, but actually you're probably the only guy in town that can solve it. Got it. Got it. That's, that's very clarifying. I feel like there, are, there have been a lot of horror stories at your end dealing with clients. As, can you give us some examples? I mean, has has there been horror stories? First of all, hundreds. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a, a relatively recent one from a client in Spain. So, by the way, this is a really successful and really smart company. So, the individuals that I was dealing with there were really really smart, really invested. They built their go to market plan, um, which we'd helped them to do, and now they were executing. And we weren't doing the execution for them; we were just coaching them on execution. And so I was, I was uh, uh, fashioned into the role or put into the role of, of mentor, if you like. And we had one, this is a kind of geeky example, but, but I think it'll bring it home. We identified one tactic to be used at the very end of the selling process. Okay, so we had a marketing and sales end-to-end process. It wasn't marketing, one process, sales, another process. It was an end-to-end process. And at the very end of the selling cycle, they had buyers that were excited about the possibility, but they just didn't trust that it was going to happen. And so they needed a couple of tactics to help that nervous buyer just take the very last step. So that's the context. And the tech, one of the tactics that we used for that last nervous step was we got we wanted to get existing customers who'd been through that process to look straight down the barrel of a shaky iPhone and say, hey, I know why you're watching this video. You've been made all of these promises and you're trying to work out, is this really going to work? Well, I can't answer that for you. What I can say is what my experience was. Here's what I found. And it's meant to be raw, unpolished, and it's meant to be from the heart. It's the kind of thing you'd get from a reference call if you think about a typical reference call. But we needed to have hundreds of these. So we wanted to video it so we didn't have to ask our favorite customers to take 
many of these calls. So it was a more reusable version of a reference call, right? So you got the, the, the rough frame. Now, what happened is marketing built this beautiful, beautiful testimonial video. It, it had... It had intros and outros. It had beautiful music underneath it. And it, it had it had a B-roll, which they flipped backwards and forwards between the A-roll and the B. Like, it was a gorgeous piece of production. We had to throw it out because it was the, a tactic built for the wrong stage in the buyer's journey. That's something you're going to put on the website to start the journey. We needed something believable. And the more you produced it, the less believable it became. So, you know, you asked me a little while ago, Shane, about how do, how do leaders need to communicate to the agency or to their staff? They need to be really, really precise and they need to hold the agency or hold their staffer to that precision. Like, let's be really clear. It's these, this group of people. I want them to get worried about this problem and your job in the end-to-end process is to shift them from this thought to that thought. And that's how I'm going to measure whether you've built this thing for me really well. That First of all, that's a, such a great example. I love that. It just encompasses everything that you talked about until now um, and, and brings it home. What about in situations where, you know, maybe a, a marketer actually doesn't know what they want? Like they're, they're a little bit fuzzy or maybe they're, they're venturing in an area that they haven't done in the past. Um, you know, this, this, this sometimes happened with us where, you know, we, we do a lot of ABM work and then the client is like, you know, how do we, how do we approach this? What do we do in this situation? And I went to this agency and I said, Hey, this is my budget and I want to do ABM. And they, you know, they just wrote something out and we're like, Oh my God. But you know, in those instances, and this is just, just, on this topic, I would imagine it would be, you know, somebody might want to do sales and marketing alignment and they're like, I don't know how to do it. How, if, and if I don't know how to do it, how can I be specific about it? What is your advice in those situations? Some advice and, and, and also a little bit of an explanation about why we built Funnel Plan. You, you referred to it earlier, Shane. So for us, Funnel Plan began as a tool to help us as a consultancy. And then we had a bunch of independent consultants who started using it. So we needed to make it more usable outside of that. And we've, we've now got um, thousands of users around the world using this tool. But the reason we built it was in part to answer that question, because if you think about the alignment that's implied by that, uh, both the war story that we just went through and the theoretical one that, I, that you and I chatted about a minute ago, you need to con- convey so much information, which means you probably need to have clarity yourself. And so you better work out how many of these things do we need to sell? And if we do the backward math on that, how many proposals do we need to put? How many, how many uh, uh, discovery conversations do we need to have? How many leads do we need to generate from how many names? So you better do the backward math uh, so that you can articulate to the agency or the staff member what outcomes you're looking to achieve. You probably better think really carefully about the problems that you solve. And there are maybe there's 40 or 50 problems that you can solve, which is the problem that's going to be unfairly to your advantage. So you need to analyze that through a whole bunch of different criteria, I guess. Think about, and I'll try to describe this in a way that people can do it without using funnel plan, but but think about any list of problems that you might build. There's a bunch of questions you probably want to ask about those problems. Is this problem getting better all on its own, in which case people can just wait? Is this, and I want a problem that's not, I want a problem that's getting worse. Is it common enough? Like, does this hurt enough people? Does this problem hurt them enough? Right, so there's the quantity and there's the, the depth of pain. 
if I got really good at fixing this problem, would I be somewhat protected? Like, are there barriers around this problem? It's a hard problem to solve. You know, if you're a fan of Seth Godin, he talks about solving the hard problems. Is this a hard enough problem so that if I get really good at solving it, I'm going to be a bit protected? I'm not going to suddenly find I've got a thousand competitors. And then you want to think about yourself. Am I any good at solving this problem? Because I can solve lots of problems, but some I can solve wickedly well. Uh, think about that. You want to think about whether you've got some kind of cost advantage at solving a problem. And, and after you subject all of your possible problems to that battery of tests, there'll be a small handful that will emerge unscathed. And, and then you're going to debate a little bit more deeply to get to a problem that's actually worth solving. That's a wrestle worth having. Then you want to think about which part of the market really has that problem. If that's the good problem, which part of the market really, really has that problem? I know I can serve these seven segments, but who really has that problem the most? Because maybe I should prioritize them. And then you want to think about your solution. Is my solution actually solving that problem? Uh, the intuitive answer is, of course it is, but of course, there's always a bad answer. Uh, really scrutinize. Are you actually solving the problem properly? So that's all the strategy stuff. We talked about the velocity and then the end-to-end -end tactics. You kind of need to map out. And I sort of don't care whether you do that with a bunch of post-it notes or you do it with a tool, but you need to do it so that when you're communicating, you know, in our example before, Shane, we flipped from landing page um, to ebook and, and, and to ads. But whatever, whatever tactic that is, whether it's on a post-it note or in a tool like Funnel Plan, you, you, you want to be able to communicate with a bit of clarity. This tactic will be preceded by these tactics and followed by these tactics, and it needs to get the buyer from this stage to this stage in the journey. That's, that's, yeah, I think that, that clarifies it. And, and, uh, and that, that's a very interesting approach from, from problem talking about segments and, and, and so on and so forth. That's, that's really good. Now tell us, tell us a little bit more about the tool. I, I do want to hear, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've heard from you. It's, it sounds very fascinating. I, I, I love to, I love to hear a little bit more. Thanks Shaheen. Uh, I didn't want to turn this into a pitch, but but let me let me take the bait that's been offered. Um, I, <laughs> no, I it's, a good, it's a good tool. So uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I've I've heard of it not not just from you from from a couple other people as well. So I I think I think there is there is a lot of value for for listeners as well. I mentioned its chronology. It started as a tool for us as a consultancy. Every consultancy has work tools that they use, and this was ours. Um, these days, it's got um, I don't know, some five thousand plans that have been built using it. But pretty much, it's a tool to do three things. All of those implied questions that I just rattled through a little too quickly, it, it helps you assess the options. So what, what really are the problems that you think about? It helps you flush those out. It helps you then rate them and then decide on them. And I say help you. If we're talking about alignment, you probably want the head of sales. You want the head of marketing. You want the head of pre-sales. You probably want the CEO in on that conversation. And if the agency is playing an important enough role, you want the agency in that conversation as well because uh, they're part of your team. And so you want to be wrestling those problems. So it's a tool to help you wrestle each of those. I think there are a total of nine key questions that need to be debated. So that's one of its job, jobs is to help the team to answer those questions. Job number two is to help you communicate the answers. So it uh, it takes all of those answers and dis and distills it into um, a one page plan. So you can communicate the essence of it in a kind of infographic-y way. It builds a 20 page PowerPoint deck of the longer form of that conversation. 
But the other thing it does, a little closer to today's conversation, I guess, when we talk about tactics and briefing, is that for each of the tactics, and there might be 30, 40, 50 tactics in a typical flow, for each of the tactics, it produces a 10-page brief for that tactic. So it's because Funnel Plan's got the strategic context, we're growing at this rate, we're selling to this market, we sell this stuff, we're trying to achieve this backward velocity, and this one tactic has got mates, it's got these things that go on beforehand, these things go on afterwards. Funnel Plan knows all of that context, so it's a little easier for Funnel Plan to produce a brief than for the marketer because we've got all that information already stored because we did the analysis. We can also say... When we say the buyer's journey, if the if this particular tactic is at the gap acknowledge stage, here's what we mean by the gap acknowledge stage. So we can spill that out into the brief as well to help the agency or the staff member execute. And the final thing is that if it's a landing page, well, there is such a thing as generic best practice and good examples for landing pages. You know, you can probably put that on one page or a couple of pages. So in the brief, we can bake in this is our view of what good looks like for a landing page. And here are three examples that are that are pretty successful from around the world. And so all of that can be readily baked into the brief because it's, you know, the, the best practice on landing pages evolves relatively slowly. The, the definition of the buyer's journey stages is relatively static. The strategic context is known because the tool helped you wrestle that stuff. And the thing that we've just added is we can all, we also produce a project plan. So it's like a 150-line project plan that comes out of the, the funnel plan. And so if we tie the project plan to the brief, we can actually put in the, you know, these are the eight steps that we want to see in the landing page. We want to see drafts at this point. We want to see reviews at this point. We want to see integration into our, into our tool, whatever tool you're using at this point. They're fairly describable stages. And so we can take that from the project plan, put it into the brief. And so funnel plan is really then wrestling those questions and then communicating those the answers to those questions. And then on the execution side, it's the brief and the project plan. I love it. I love it. I think it's just so comprehensive. And I feel like you you don't know how comprehensive a brief needs to be until you put the first one together and you're like, oh, we should have clarified these things. And then you do the second one. And then you edit, there's a bunch of other things that come up. And then you and then you you would have to do it multiple times until you really get it right. And there's just all these moving parts. So I love how how it brings all these bits and pieces together. Now, I have a couple of rapid questions I want to ask you, but before I do that, is there anything else that you know maybe I didn't touch on that you think it's important, especially when it comes to briefs, when it comes to communicating with agencies, that uh, that you think it's important for us to cover? I feel like we've covered some pretty good ground, Shaheen. We've got big strategic questions that are bias-centric. So um, maybe I'll use this chance to just replay a couple of those key points because I feel like we've covered the ground. The strategic questions of what problem are you trying to solve for the market and who most has that problem is very different from a strategy that's built around the product. You know, we sell this stuff to that market is a product-centric strategy. We solve this problem for this market is a buyer-centric strategy. So a part of what we've talked about is buyer-centricity in the strategy. And then where you kick the conversation off was around 
tactics, each of the tactics needs to be biocentric as well because it's trying to get the buyer from thought X to thought Y. That's the job of this tactic. It's a progression. You know, some of your listeners will be fans of spin selling or perhaps challenger sales or conceptual selling. All of those selling methodologies are around a progression. It's not did you turn up and have the meeting? It's did you get a progression? What's a progression? It's thought X to thought Y. They no longer think X, they now think Y. Well, it's the same in marketing. We need we need that progression. So strategically biocentric, tactically biocentric as well. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's let's dive into the rapid questions. Okay. Um, let's do some rapid fire questions. So the first thing I want to ask you is what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has fundamentally changed the way you work or live. Shaheen, you're going to kill me. It's the aggregate of four books. If I go real quick, it's Inside the Tornado by Jeffrey Moore. Very definitely one of the best strategic books you'll ever read. Good to Great by Jim Collins. Influenced by Robert Cialdini. Not often talked about, but a really important book. And Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, well I, I, I love when, when there's, there's more. I love when there's more. Okay. If you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? What's your prospect thinking right now? And what do you want them to think when they're done with this thing? That's good. That's a summation of pretty much all our conversation. I love it. The third one, tell me a little bit about some of the influencers that you follow. Apart from the authors that we spoke of, there's a couple of podcasts that I really get value from apart from Growth Colony. Right, so I'm going to, going to uh, talk about two other podcasts than Growth Colony. So Social Media Examiner, because I need to stay abreast of what's changing in the application of tactics that I already know, but maybe the way that we apply them changes. So I listen to Social Media Examiner every week and Marketing Over Coffee so I can stay across the tech. I've heard of that. Yeah, that Marketing Over Coffee is great. I love it. Last question. Last question is what, what's something that excites you about B2B today? Shaheen, when I started the business in 98, I, I had the, the big, hairy, audacious goal. There's another Jim Collins expression. I had the big, hairy, audacious goal to make B2B marketing a respected management science around the world. Now, I knew I was a little company and I couldn't really do that on my own. And so I realized I could only play a role in that. But if you think about it, I think we're within spitting distance. Like We've actually got B2B marketers around the world who are respected for their management science. We're getting close and that excites me. That's really cool. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. I, I love that. On that note, Hugh, thanks a lot for, for jumping on the podcast. There was, there was plenty of interesting points and golden nuggets in there. So I think I'm pretty sure that a lot of our listeners will enjoy that as well. So thanks, thanks for uh, giving us the time. Shaheen, it's been a real pleasure and congratulations again on Growth Colony. It's a great podcast. Thanks a lot, Hugh. Chat soon. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.